Hi, this is Karen Kelly, and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show with various topics, amazing guests, and the occasional celebrity guest. Welcome to the show today where we're talking to Esther Alatuba, who is the founder of Gola Treasures. So welcome, Esther. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we've met, we've met briefly a few times, haven't we, at various networking events. So it's great to have you all to myself today and find out all about Gola Treasures. So first of all, for our listeners, what, what is Gola Treasures? So Gola Treasures, um, as you've introduced me, my name is Esther Olaju, but I work with female farmers in developing countries, female farmers that produce sustainable plant-based products, such as cocoa, coffee, nuts, specialty teas, etc. And the business isn't twofold. Um, there's the business to business side of things, and then there's the business to customer. Um, and I don't know if you want me to elaborate on that. Yeah, keep going. It's great. Tell us everything. <laughs> the side of things is where I um, partner or work with organizations that want to meet their United Nations sustainability goals. And really, because they have a lot of goals that they want to meet and my organization, the values that I, I the, the values that I have are in line with those sustainability goals. So it's where an organization may come to me, for example, an ice cream company will come to me and say, we're looking for nuts. Can you caramelize these nuts for us, chop them up into our specification and supply us. And because of the source of the nuts, it makes a huge difference to female farmers or, um, and the capacity in which they order, that makes a big difference to those women around the world. That's really interesting, isn't it? What an interesting job that you have. Yes, it is. I love it. Absolutely love it. So I know you work with, you support, you work with and support with, uh, women farmers in particular. So what inspired you to support women farmers? Hmm, Karen, I think, first of all, being a woman, Coming, living in a developed, developing country. So I lived in Sierra Leone, West Africa for 10 years of my life. And with that, there's the certain cultures. So you, you get to understand the culture and then coming back to the UK, you can see a huge difference. You yeah, can well, see- Yeah, you couldn't compare, could you? No, you really can't. You can see that a lot of things women don't have access to. So going back, um, which I believe will come to um, in, this, in, our, in our conversation, going back and realizing that women are not being paid for what they do or not being rewarded for the work that they put in. 80% of, of farmers in developing countries are small scale farmers. 46% of those figures are female farmers and these women go unrecognized when I started doing my research I realized that this is a huge problem and this problem needs a solution so I made up my mind to say I wanted to be the solution to that problem and I made up my mind to say I wanted to make a difference definitely that that's 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 beautiful because obviously we're going to talk about your backstory now as well because you've got hands-on experience you've seen it yourself haven't you uh, and how hard these women work with their families and children with them as well so let's mm -hmm. talk about your experience because you moved to Sierra Leone when you were 
four, I believe. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. So I moved to Sierra Leone when I was four and I came back. I was forced to come back when I was 14. But then I believe in life, even the bad, the good, the ugly, everything works out for good. So um, a bit about my backstory. I moved to Sierra Leone when I was four because my father decided that he wanted to move to Sierra Leone with his family. So we moved there and it was happy days for the five, first five years. And then the war started and things began to go downhill. It became a horror story as time went on. And obviously it wasn't safe for girls any longer. So mom decided, um, and during this time as well, as if that wasn't enough, mom and dad separated, which was horrific for us because it was just my sister and I, and we're such a close family. So we didn't see that coming. And so that had- about, Sorry, were you, were you about nine years old, I think, weren't you? When yes. the civil war was going on and uh, you had all this, you obviously feared for your life. And then of course your parents splitting up as well. Can you yes. remember much about that time? I can, I can remember. I can remember that time is a time I would never ever forget. Yeah. And as a little girl growing up, I always saw my family as a close family and you could see people separating and having a divorce. But in my mind, I always said to myself, oh, this will not happen to me. Yeah, this never happened to me. Yes, it will not happen to us. So the day that I went on holidays and came back and mom said, we're no longer going home because dad and I are no longer together. Oh, it broke my heart. Yes. It really did because I was close to my mom and close to my father as well because it's just the four of us my sister and I mom and dad so I can never forget that really so coming back in 2006 this was during that the war was at it as at its worst for girls a girl like me and my sister and mom sold everything she could she sacrificed and sold everything she could to buy two one-way tickets to get to come back to this to United Kingdom and how and that, old was your sister then Esther as well were you the youngest or no I'm I'm the youngest my sister's the oldest she's she was 21 at the time but oh, okay. not one year old that you would think would have know how to um be responsible for a 14 year old she was a child herself she yeah. you know ever had that responsibility and here she was been given a responsibility now to look after me and that was really tough but she did a fantastic job she really just took on the role and she 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 played mom and dad in my life and it must have been really difficult to leave your mum behind it was it was it was really really painful and um soon after that we lost all communication with them, which in itself was horrific. We, horrific. Yeah, it was. Um, and I can clearly, vividly remember the day I got a phone call from mom saying we're alive. How long had it been from you leaving the UK, losing contact and you having that connection with your mum again, knowing she was safe? The, the thing is, Karen, it could have been weeks. It could have been months at that time. I wasn't thinking, I was just not in a good place because here I was not knowing whether I had a mother or a father anymore. Yeah. So I really can't recall how long it took. It's, it, it, to me, it felt like eternity. Yeah. So I can't really say, I can't remember at that time. Like I said, there I was trying to keep my head down, go to school, trying to get in, back into the system, which was another challenge um, for me. But it's a really delicate age, isn't it? 14. Yes. And obviously you would have had friends there and have you left your mum anyway, but you've got friends mm-hmm. there that you've left in school. 
yeah. you've got to start all over again. That must have been really, really difficult for you. It was difficult. Um, but when we're coming back, that told us, just put your heads down, um, girls, because he, he, he loved his girls. He loved us so much and he showed us that love, really. And so we had that and we had the love of mom as well. And we, were, we always remember that, you know, mom sacrificed to get us back. It's not because she had a huge amount of money, because during that time, no matter what you were doing, just as we're seeing now with wars going on um, around the world, people lose things. You're not able, even if you're doing business, your, your business is not making money. So it's a struggle all around. So yeah. for understood that this was an opportunity that we've been given and we need to make something of it. We can't come back to the UK and not do anything. So we just buried our heads down and got on with what we were doing so I was back in school trying to get my head around the the the, um, the system and my sister was also trying to get her head around the system as well we had some family support but there's only so much that family can do for you so we really had to work hard yeah so had you seen your mom during that time or was your mom still in in West Africa no thankfully mom came um oh, as great. soon as joined us and but this was um several years years back so mom actually lives with us now in the UK which is fantastic and then you went back um this is where the goal of treasures comes in so you went back in 2018 tell us the reason why you went back and what you found so different what what changed for you so I'll just take you just um just back a little bit in 2008 we lost dad suddenly but before that, I had a conversation with him that changed my life or changed my thinking. Because remember I said to you that that told us to put our heads down. One of the things that he said to us was, have a good education, girls, because with that, you'll be able to do something with your life. So we had that at the back of our minds to say, we need to go back to the UK. We need to put our heads down. We need to work hard and have something that we could say, this is our own. And so I came back and I worked hard. My sister did as well. I qualified as a nurse. And I remember this day I was having a conversation with that. I said, dad, I qualified, you know, I'm so happy and I'm sure you'll be pleased. And Karen, I had this, my dad said to me, sister, because he referred to me as sister, do business. And I can tell you that really hurt. It hit me because I didn't understand. You did all that training. You were so proud of yourself and you probably expected a different response exactly but he knew he knew you had a head for business clearly exactly so this was the response that I got but little did I know would lose dad a few weeks later so something like that never ever leaves you you have that with you have that at the back of your mind in 2010 my husband and I did start a healthcare business and that's running to this day but you just know when you know that this is not what I should be doing at this point. So I had decided I would, did not want to go back to Sierra Leone ever again for obvious reasons. Yeah. That, that's now passed away. We've buried him. And on that plane, coming back, I said to myself, I'm never going back to that country again. But in 2018, something changed. I found myself being drawn to go back with no reason at all, Karen. I just decided packed my bags, said to my husband, I'm going to Sierra Leone, not even realizing that actually I've left this country for 10 years since 2008 and now I'm going back. I don't even know 
how things work anymore. It was on the plane that I thought to myself, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what did, you, I did you go on your own? Were you alone traveling back? I was, I was. And um, on this occasion, I traveled, I so happened to travel first class. And the reason why I mentioned that is because I met two people there that I started speaking to. And I said, I just realized I have not been to Cerulean for 10 years and I don't even know my way around. And they said, oh, don't worry. They told us so much about the, told me so much about the country and everything. And they said to me, don't worry, we'll take you, we'll take you along, which they did. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. Did you feel safe with these people? You didn't know them at all from Adam. Exactly. I felt really, really safe. This was a lady from Jamaica that was doing work in Sierra Leone. So yeah, I thought yeah. she was coming from England. So we spoke. She took you under her wing. She did. She did. And we're friends to this day, which is amazing. So I got to Sierra Leone and for the first time, I realized, I noticed, because remember, when I went to bury dad, I was numb. I didn't know what was going on around me. I was just, I wasn't in a good place at all. This time, I realized the level of poverty in the country. I realized what had happened as a result of the war, the amputees on the streets of the capital city. I, I noticed all of that. And I re also realized the resilience of the people because Sierra Leoneans are resilient people. And I just felt there's something I needed to do. I didn't know what it was, but all I knew was I had to do something about what was going on. And I said to myself, I needed to make a difference. I needed to do something about this situation. So we'll come back in a few minutes, Esther, to talk about your return to West Africa after a short break. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So welcome back where we're talking to Esther Alatuba. So welcome back, Esther. So we were up to where you'd returned to your hometown in 2018. Thank you, Karen. Yes, as I was saying, so I, I decided I needed to make a difference. So I came back to um, England and the idea was, that I could learn different skills because all these people needed, all, all I, I realized these people needed a livelihood and that 
I could learn different skills. I can go back and teach them just so that they can make money for themselves. I came back and I started doing my research, going up and down the country. I, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I just knew I needed to do something. I wanted to do something. I was desperate. I had a fire in my belly. So during that time, I learned, I went on a chocolate making course um, amongst other things that I did. And then I, you know, when you just do something and then you realize, I love this. I have a passion for this. I could not wait to get to my hotel room to do some research because somebody had mentioned the Gola rainforest and had told me they grow sustainable cocoa beans. So I got to my hotel room that night and started doing my research. And you know, when you know you found something, I, I just felt it into place for you. That's that's amazing, isn't it? So uh, you were yeah. drawn to go back, and that mm -hmm. was why. That was yes. the reason why. Yes, exactly, because everything works out, right? So um, so I started doing research and I realized as a result of the war, so out of this ugly situation, something beautiful has come forth. As a result of the war, people had to flee that environment, that rainforest that was abused, misused, because people really didn't know how to take care of the rainforest and they didn't re realize um, how significant it was for them. So because they had to flee for 10 years, that place was left to flourish by itself. So I can just imagine when the farmers came back and saw all these cocoa beans flourishing on the trees and the wildlife and there was well can you imagine how beautiful exactly for 10 good years and I said to myself I can make a difference with this and as time went on things evolved and the vision became bigger and bigger that's wonderful what a gorgeous story so let's talk about Gola Treasures. So you make all sorts of gorgeous chocolate and things, don't you? You've got coffee cookie ganache, which mm -hmm. looks delicious. Handcrafted luxury hazelnut praline with chewy caramel, I might add. Hot chocolate <laughs> stirrers, dark chocolate. You've got all sorts on there. Well, you've just created this wonderful business, haven't you? How long did it take? So it's taken, well, it started in 2000, end of 2019, but I would say I launched it in 2020, but then COVID hit. But um, I didn't waste that time. I used that time to really learn more about the crafts. Chocolatiers around the world put their chocolate courses online. So I was able to travel to America, to Amsterdam, France, and just learn from the best of the best. And so even within there with COVID doing what it was doing, things were happening. So I used that time to say, well, actually, I don't want to waste this time. Let me learn more about this craft and let me perfect things because it's a continuous learning process for me. So coming from being a nurse to making chocolate, it's just been me just being persistent, le persistently learning the craft and getting people to try because I do have my people out there that help me <laughs> try and, and tell me which one is good and which one isn't. And from there, we've been able to, I've been able to craft um, different things, like you said, and one of them being the Chewy Caramel, which is our bestseller Sounds at the moment. delicious. I'm not surprised. Yes, customers absolutely love it. Um, I've been doing um, Maker's Markets, etc., and we do sell online as well. 
And you're also working with female farmers in developing countries, kind of reimagining. Can you expand on that as well for us? Yes. So like I said, reimagining the, the supply chain, making sure the female farmer um, is given a fair price for what they're selling. And also my main aim, like I said, is to um, eliminate poverty amongst female farmers. They're doing such a fantastic job that I want the world to know what they're doing. I want to be out here telling the global, telling the world, these farmers are doing a fantastic a fantastic job, work with them. So my aim is to work with, like I said, big organizations on the business, the business side of things, where they really give opportunities to these women to sell their produce to global markets. There are a lot of middlemen in between, but is really bringing the female farmer as close to the buyer as possible. So you've clearly done an extraordinary job with, with Gola Treasures. So how do you see the future uh, for Gola Treasures and also women farmers around the globe? The future I see, I see the future being bright. And I know things have happened along the way that probably delayed things, COVID being one of them, and so many other things have happened. However, Gola Treasures is a, is, a, is a story, is a business about hope. It gives hope to people. So as long as we hold on to that, I believe that the future is bright and it will only get brighter because I've set off on a path to say, this is what I want to help female farmers to achieve. I want them to have a livelihood. I want them to be able to build houses for themselves. I want them to be able to, be able to put their children through um, education, stress-free, put them through university, look back and build their communities and then go on and build their wider communities, which is the countries that they live in and have something tangible to say, because of what I'm doing, I'm able to do this. Do you get to actually see these women and have, have relationships with these women and their families? Some of them I have been able to do in other countries, but in Sierra Leone, for example, I haven't yet because I was meant to go to Sierra Leone in February of this year and it just didn't happen. Um, I didn't get a flight that, um, during the time that I wanted to go because I have a family as well and my husband um, gave me a time frame to say, if, you're, if you can go during this time, that would be good, but I couldn't get a flight. So, but I do hope to go this year. Um, I just need to plan it better. And what other countries are you working with at the moment? Working, I'm working with women in um, Indonesia. I've made contacts with them. I've made contacts with women in Kenya. I've made contacts with women in Zambia. So, and Sierra Leone, of course. And these are all female farmers. Yes. Oh, that's incredible. It's absolutely amazing yes. what you're doing, Esther. Are you going to be making any other products at all to add to your chocolate? Yes, I would be. Um, I'll be looking at nut products and see um, what other products we can produce from there for our customer to um, business, the customer side of things, and also for business to business side of things. Whatever specification the businesses have, I'm ready to work with them, partner with them, whichever way they want to work. Because like I said, it's about creating those opportunities. And there's so many companies out there that could we could really benefit from working with and they could benefit from working with us as well definitely 
So for our listeners, if anyone wants to get involved or has any questions or wants to buy your fabulous products, how can they get in touch with you? I'm online on www.golatreasures.com. And there is a site there where for a business to business side of things, you could leave me information, you can send me information and I will pick that up and come back to you. And for a business to customer, we are online so people can order from that same website. We have a shop on there and that shop is only going to expand. Wonderful. Oh, well, Esther, I wish you all, all the best with, with Gola Treasures and with all the female farmers. And I'm sure our, our paths will cross again. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me on this podcast. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. You've been listening to my podcast, Appetite for Life, also supported by sponsor, Dane Bank House Dental Practice, where happiness starts with a smile. Would you like to be a guest on this show? Or maybe you're interested in a sponsorship package. For any further information, you can find me across various social media platforms as Karen Kelly Podcasts, or send me an email, karenenderkelly at btinternet.com.